Welcome to the Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson and Mike Prasuda, uh, bringing you all the news and updates and action uh, happening with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're kind of wrapping up the day's events here on Steelers Nation Radio uh, for, uh, for, uh, throughout training camp. This is what sure. we're going to do. And, uh, guys, uh, day three of the veterans um, being in camp. We still haven't gotten the chance to see them, but we've gotten to see a little video. Matt and I watched uh, the stuff from today. Yeah, right. Um, not that it's showing you a ton. It was still but, good to see guys running around and catching a ball. And, oh, there's Chase Claypool. You haven't seen him before in the Steeler attire. Yeah. You know. uh, Mike, earlier in the day, we got a chance to talk to uh, Deontay Johnson and Vince Williams. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, just wanted to get your impression, Mike, uh, of what you're seeing and hearing thus far in terms of, I mean, we're a little more than a week into this stuff that we've been getting these guys on calls and, and, and everything. And, and uh, what it's been different for us for sure as, as reporters. Uh, but what are your, what's your feeling about how things are progressing here? Well, before we go there, I think I have to take Williamson to task. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Um, people listening, you know, however you're tuning in on computer or however you're getting it, uh, you may not be aware that uh, Dale and Matt are in studio and I'm, at my house, my uh, palatial export Pennsylvania state. And one of the things that uh, you get from time to time when you're working in a radio studio is food. Uh, for some reason, people drop it off or they bring it. And it's a beautiful did I not thing. Hear, did I not hear you guys chatting before we went on the air about uh, hoagies? And did I not hear Matt Williams say, I, Williamson say, I didn't finish mine? I know. He did. Gonna, that is an upset. You can own up to that. I mean, they leaving, were massive. Leaving a man out. Have you gotten that? We got, we got subs from Minios today, which is down at the bottom of the hill oh, here in Green Tree. Look how much tremendous. They have I mean, that's a good chunk. Tremendous. It's like a it's like a full sixteen inch sub, and I downed the whole thing. I was impressed. <laughs> I mean, well, there's of little, course you, you did. You gilded me a little bit, by the way. I, I picked them up, and they're like five pounds to oh, carry yeah, two of them up the steps. Yeah. I was huffing and puffing, and so <laughs> I killed my half quicker than Dale. And I'm well into the half it's number a, It's two. a marathon, not a sprint, brother. Right. And he kind of guilts me. He's like, boy, you're doing a number over there. And I'm like, ah, maybe I should hang it up. But I wrap it up, and I look over a minute later, and he's just gone. Poof. The tortoise so won Matt, the race. Do you, think, do you think that's the standard we try to set here? It's a great, I'm, did, I'm glad you brought it up because it's, trust me, not my style. I, I'm used, I am a finisher. <laughs> You, you can't get in shape in camp. You got to show up in shape. Right. No, yes, right. absolutely. Right. And I have seen uh, Mike pound a sub, uh, plastic and all, on them. These did yeah. not. Have, these did not have plastic on them. I have a theory here, Mike, on 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 the subs. While we're on the subject, that if the sub comes in tin foil, it's got to be good. Yep. Yep. Much like the muffaletta next door. Yes. Yes. If, exactly. if, it, if it's wrapped in a tin, if it's wrapped in foil, it's a good sub. I don't care where it's from. So if you if you have a restaurant and you want to have the appearance of a great sub, wrap it in tinfoil. I got called out from a guy that takes a ginormous pizza home with him late night. And I assume you eat like half of it when you get home and when, when you're at camp. And then the other half is breakfast. That being you, Mike. Talking about yeah, you go walking with a pizza like under your arm, like it's a yes, like it's absolutely. a duffel bag. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm at training camp, I do the show from my room. Benedict Hall, boy, I miss it. And, I want to uh, mug you uh, yeah, when you get like, out of your car. 
I like to wake up and, and do the DV morning show. And uh, <laughs> in between sports casts, I usually have about uh, three or four pieces of pieces of stuffed banana pepper pizza. That goes stuffed down great at like seven fifteen in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> the breakfast of champions. That's well done for That's sure. The secret to your success. Are you are, uh, so Matt? Matt, pick it up. Is what I'm saying. I yeah, hear you. I hear you. Third, third show. It's We're going to be doing this a while. I'll step you can't it up. be lagging behind. You can't be bringing Dale and I down. <laughs> I'm right there the with you. Bar. I was, I was, I was mildly disappointed with him when I saw him put that. He took took the remaining the remaining four inches of his sub and put it back in his bag. He only ate twelve inches. I know. I'm a you get a sixteen inch sub, you eat all sixteen inches. I might have to finish it at our first break here. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, Mike, to get back on on subject here, uh, we, we've talked to quite yeah, a few sorry guys. About that. No, that's not. Yeah, that's fine. I, it I was legit. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I just didn't rip him on like you did. So, uh, but and, uh, we've we've talked to a number of guys thus far uh, in in the first week and a half of camp here. And what's your general impression of this thus far? Is the NFL doing this the right way? I guess we'll find out. Um... We're, we're not going to know. Uh, I mean, obviously, there are guys opting out on a daily basis. There are there are COVID cases on a daily basis. But uh, I, I think they're going to get to September, and I think we're going to play ball eventually. But what's it going to look like? Boy, who knows? Um, uh, I've been watching hockey during their restarts, and uh, some of it's pretty scattered, <laughs> and it's yeah. understandable. But uh, I don't think anybody's going to be in midseason form. Teams usually are not in midseason form. They, they might be in first OTA form, except they'll be playing a game that counts on September the 14th against the New York football giants. Uh, the early impression is that, you know, the guys that are playing are all in, and, and everybody seems to not to want to complain about what it is that are going through and all the protocols. And uh, everybody seems to have their head down and, and you know, their eyes uh, focused on – the task at hand, but uh, boy, I have no idea what it's going to look like in September. Uh, the, the teams that are successful this year are probably going to be the ones that can improve quickly as a group. Mike, you watch a lot more hockey than I do, obviously, but uh, I, I have had it on quite a bit. I've watched some just in mean, its live stuff. I'm excited to watch Penn tonight, but boy, it seems to me, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, conditioning is an issue. And I know the ice is a little softer, so it's probably harder, but you know, but I think my point is, I bet the first two, three weeks of the season, you're going to see huffing and puffing like crazy. I mean, I think conditioning is a big issue in, in, in the early part of the football season. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think the, what you're seeing in hockey, I think, is crappy ice. Okay. And, you know, it's it's August, and they're trying to play hockey, and they're mm-hmm. playing two and three games on the same surface on the same day, and you just can't do that. But, I mean, that's that's what they have to do, so they're doing it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on the football. I, uh, and, and, you know, what happens when you're tired and out of shape uh, and in, in less than ideal condition, you worry about the soft tissue stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, it is going to be a violent adjustment, I think, for everybody across the league. Yeah, I do. And we, we've talked a lot about that on our show uh, on the drive. Uh, the teams that don't have a lot of turnover, that have a lot of continuity, are going to be better off. Uh, you would think that the Steelers are one of those teams. There are some other ones that you think of, the Saints – um, you know, in terms of having everybody back in the same coaching staff, uh, you know, I think the Titans, quite a few of them, yeah. yeah, the Titans are in that boat. There's, there's quite a few out there that are like that. And when I look around the rest of the Steelers division, I see, I mean, yeah, the Harbaugh is and his coaching staff are back, but they're counting on some young guys uh, like a Patrick Queen, like uh, Malik Harrison, the other linebacker. 
Uh, you know, you're mixing a couple of new defensive linemen in there. Now, Calais Campbell a, is a stud, but he's still new to the team. Um, you know, you look at the Browns with a whole new coaching staff. This will be Baker Mayfield's fourth offensive system now in three years. Uh, they're going to have new safeties. They're going to have, you know, a lot, of, a lot of new faces there, two new tackles. Uh, the Bengals with, with Joe Burrow, uh, 14 practices before he makes his first pro start. Um, yeah. The Steelers are going to have an opportunity here, I think, early in the season to maybe put some distance between themselves. Maybe not a great deal of distance. Maybe maybe they get out of September, you know, it, it, I don't even know how many games. Let's say 3-1 and one in, in the first four games or 4-0 and oh, or whatever it would be. Uh, but I think the Ravens might take some time with that defense. I know they did last year as well. It took some time for that defense to kind of coalesce. Um, and I, I just look at the Browns and Bengals and think they're going to struggle out of the gate. Good word, coalesce. Yeah, I'm sitting there trying it to figure out how to spell that. It took some time for the defense to coalesce. You like that? Yeah, it man. did, and it, it took some in-season additions, too. They had to go get some guys. Right. Yeah, but, good point. Uh, once they did, they were playing really well at the end of the year. I'm, I'm with you, Dale, on that uh, point about the significant change there. But I think Baltimore's response will be to say, okay, we'll just be the Chiefs and outscore everybody. And well, win, that's, that's what know, they've got. Yeah, 40 they, to 35. But they still have – I mean, I, I think one of the least talked about – things in the offseason one of the one of the biggest losses of any team in the offseason that's kind of flown under the radar is Marshall Yonda I mean I they haven't replaced him you don't replace a guy like that quickly uh he's a, he's an all pro player he was still playing at a high level last year and I, I I mean I just think everybody talked about you know the Patriots losing Brady and and some other moves that were made in the offseason. I think that one's kind of flown under the radar. And along those lines too, I mean I think a lot of people look at the the Ravens running game and say it's fluky, it's misdirection, and there's a lot of that to it, of course. But sometimes they'll just line up and power you off the ball with double teams, and you know they they ask a lot out of Yonda last year, and he really came in big, came up big. Yeah, I got more Powerball than I think it's given credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have a, a, an abundance of backs, and uh, I think they're starting to collect weapons. Nobody uses the tight ends better than they do. Um, it, it's it's a it's a something they're going to have to work around, but I don't think it's going to be a deal breaker for that offense. No, I don't think so either. But I think it you know it is something that to keep an eye on, especially early in the season, is they're trying to to figure out. Who's who best to start in that spot? I mean, I I think the interior of their line. I like the the tackles are both very good, but the interior is a bit of an issue for them. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, they got a mobile quarterback. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah that helps. I, I agree with your original point, though, Dale, about the Ohio teams. I mean, there's pretty big sweeping changes with scheme, young quarterbacks. It could be a rough start early on for those guys. Yeah, so you're I, saying the Buckeyes yeah. are the best team in the state, <laughs> as usual. They're the highest paid, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, we had an opportunity to talk to, uh, as I mentioned before, Deontay Johnson and Vince Williams uh, earlier today. Um, your thoughts on uh, on what Deontay Johnson had to say? Uh, you know, the the first impression. Uh, he was. Uh, I, I wouldn't say he was uncooperative last year. But I don't think he was comfortable, yes. and that's not uncommon for a lot of rookie Did You get the same impression, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, many day, times day-to-day operations. Yeah. He, he was quiet, and he would look down, and you know, he, he kind of was giving you the vibe that he'd like it to be over. Yes. Um, <laughs> again, not that he, not that he was uh, being a jerk or anything, but it, 
dealing with the amount of media that you have to deal with in an NFL locker room, I think is an adjustment for a lot of guys. I think it clearly was for him uh, coming from where he came from. But, man, he looked kind of uh, right at home and at ease today, didn't he, Dale? Uh, Matt, I don't know if you were on that call uh, no, with us or not. not. But, yeah, he, he had some things to say, and he made his points, and he was uh, he, he just appeared very – confident comfortable not outgoing is a great word good uh so that was that was the biggest impression on that is just boy this kid has really grown which which you would expect i mean he's a year older he's been around the block once now and uh he's got his feet under him and uh you know he's starting to spread his wings a little bit i think coalescing nicely <laughs> come on now we don't have to do that but um yeah, I, I thought he was. I thought he was very much uh, more at ease, I, and I think that's part of being a second-year player. Um, you know, he's been through this all now. He he knows what to expect. Um, you know, even in a, in a situation like today, he had done a, a conference. I think he'd done a Zoom call with us earlier this year, if I remember right. Um, but yeah, he did. He yeah. did. Yeah, he did one with earlier with us this year, and so I think there is some, a higher comfort level there. And I just think he knows what he's doing now. I don't know that last year he did, he knew exactly, especially not at this point in the year where he'd missed so much time in the, in the off season that uh, he was playing catch up a lot. And he was fighting I, an injury from the start too. Yeah, I mean, we can't forget that. Oh, he he hardly. Did, I think he did a half day at rookie camp out of the three days. Yeah, I think yeah. You're right. He missed almost all the OTAs. Um, it, it was really interesting to hear Randy Finkner talking about that uh, in relation to how does a rookie make an impact without all the traditional off-season stuff as as the rookies are going to have to get by without this year. And Finkner cited Deontay Johnson. He said, well, he was here, but he wasn't doing anything. And yet, look what he did. So, mm-hmm. it can be done. It, it can be done. And I thought the other interesting thing he talked about, Ben Roethlisberger kind of letting it fly a little bit uh, yesterday in practice. And uh, you mentioned yesterday – or uh, yeah, yesterday. We hadn't seen the video yet, but I showed it to Matt today that the, they did post some video, actually, of Ben Roethlisberger – uh, yesterday afternoon, actually throwing and completing passes. You could see the receiver <laughs> well, on the yeah. other end. Yeah. Really? Yes. Well, I'm going to have to that. start checking these videos out then. Yeah, you got to watch I, these I, things. Uh, you're not going to glean a lot out of these things because tons you know, to learn. we're used to watching regular practice, but there is a little bit you can see in these things. I, I was skeptical. I'll, I'll start checking it out. <laughs> but uh, the other thing that caught my attention with uh, what uh, Johnson had to say today, you know, the Matt Canada thing this week, uh, he – answered pretty much every question uh, with the prefix. Uh, hey, I'm just here to learn the Steeler stuff and get along and do my job. And, uh, you know, they're not going to rebuild the offense in Matt Canada's image or anything like that. But uh, Deontay, Deontay Johnson mentioned uh, having a little trouble learning uh, all the new stuff that Canada's brought uh, over. Yeah, and, the motions. You know, and I see. Yeah. A, a, a little a subtle tweak here and there can be very impactful. Ben Roethlisberger had said, you know, that's why we brought Coach Canada in to work on that stuff. So, uh, that's, uh, you know, it's not a rebuild, but, uh, you know, maybe you're getting, uh, a new, a new hood ornament for the sports car and it, uh, looks a little sleeker and a little, uh, a little more imposing now than it did, uh, last year. Uh, the little, little differences, uh, subtle or otherwise can, can, uh, really, uh, show up. Uh, they don't have to, they don't have to be the staple, but, uh, you know, a little ketchup on the French fry makes it better, right? <laughs> I guess I, I I quit eating ketchup, so that's I'm off ketchup. You didn't stop eating steak hoagie. I did not stop eating a steak hoagie. <laughs> that was 
That was ingested quite well. Thank you very much. We're going to take a break. Uh, he is Mike Pursuta. That's Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be right back after this. And we are back. Uh, we are not in Panama. We are not. Nah. We are not in Latrobe. No. Nah. We are here in Green Tree, uh, bringing you the training camp report. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson, joined by Mike Persuda as well from his home back in Export. You're at least in Westmoreland County, uh, but we are nowhere near you right now, Mike. But uh, I, I did want to talk. We talked a little bit about the other teams in the uh, AFC North. Um, in the previous segment, Mike, I wanted to get your feeling on some of the uh, the stuff that's happened with those teams in the off season. We hadn't had a, a big chance to talk about any of those things. We did do some draft work together, but uh, that's a much different feeling. Many moons uh, ago, yeah. yeah, many moons ago. So let, let's start with the uh, reigning AFC North champions, the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Um, how are you feeling about what they did in the off season, and what's your uh, what's your potential outlook for them? I think they're dynamite, and uh, I really like the quarterback. I think uh, the passing part of it's not going to be an issue for him. Uh, yeah, they, they slipped up in the postseason. That happens, uh, particularly when you have a regular season, uh, the, the likes of which they had. But uh, I think that's a real good football team, and I'm hoping that they don't end up signing Antonio Brown because if, uh, if I'm the Ravens, I'm thinking about it, knowing that you probably aren't going to need him for the first eight games, but you might need him thereafter. Uh, that would uh, that would be the cherry on top of a Sunday. Uh, I think guys, uh, you know, I, I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to have a real good year, and I think he's going to do it the old school way, the way he plays. But uh, the new wave of QBs in this league uh, are guys such as Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, the guy I call Bruce Springsteen, because uh, you know he's the greatest. No uh, <laughs> you you got to be able to play that way. You got to have a guy that can do those kind of things. I think to to be a really good team, to be a championship team. And uh, Baltimore is scary to me. Uh, real good coach, real good organization. Uh, very much like the Steelers in that regard. Uh, the Ravens usually don't get surprised. They usually have their uh, T's crossed and their eyes dotted. And uh, as we kind of alluded to last year, or last segment, excuse me. Uh, when they saw that they had some holes in their defense last year, that midseason they went and did something about it. And uh, it's a good organization and a real good football team. You said a lot there, and, and a, a bell went off in my head when you mentioned A.B. and you mentioned the playoff loss that I thought something that really hindered them last year in that game but may not have gotten fixed is that organization's always had Bolden, Steve Smith, Mason, some chain mover, reliable veteran receiver that on third and six everyone in the stadium knows is going to him on a seven yard out they don't have that guy right now I thought that really hurt them in the postseason and I mean AB on the field would bring that and more yeah I, I think it's a possibility I don't know how likely but mm -hmm. uh you know based on uh, they they will react uh, will they not I mean they'll they'll they're proactive their team out on the yeah. field and they'll start ex executing their plan and if they don't like what they see they'll do something about it yeah, uh, you got to give them credit there. They are uh, always light on their feet. Uh, the Browns bring in a new head coach. <laughs> Speaking of light on their feet and uh, always changing things, a uh, new head coach, 
uh, new GM, the whole new, whole, basically a whole new, a whole new deal there. Yet again, uh, yet again, uh, massive uh, moves, especially on, on, particularly on the defense. But they had a, a bunch of new pieces offensively as well. Two new tackles. Two new tackles, yeah. a new tight end that they paid way too much money for. Um, what's uh, what's your feeling about what the Browns did this offseason? Well, they got to get it right one of these years, don't they? You would think, but they keep doing I, it wrong. That's the, you know. Yeah, You know, guys, i got to be honest with you. I'm getting to the point where I don't know that I can objectively assess the Cleveland Browns because the thought is starting to creep into my head. If the Browns did it, it must be wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, until they do something right, then, then uh, maybe I won't have to worry about that anymore. But – uh, you know, you like the background of the coach. I, I like the two tight end philosophy. Uh, the offensive line was clearly holding uh, Cleveland way back last year. No pun intended. Uh, but it's, it, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of put up or shut up time for Baker, I guess, isn't it? I mean, uh, I, I've seen the guy do some really interesting things. And uh, while he's doing some interesting things or around uh, the doing of interesting things, he turns the football over and uh, – uh, he better figure out a way to stop doing that. But, boy, there's a lot of weapons there, too. Uh, that's going to be another team that uh, is really going to bring it offensively, I think. An aspect of Baker's game, I think, is really apparent now. And people think we're past this, like, as a scouting community. He's short, and he does not see from the pocket all that well. And like, he's not going to grow. He's not going to grow, and he rolls right, you know, as a crutch over and over and over. And he did it worked really well against Steelers. But people have the book on this guy. And that's why you go pay a lot of money for two tackles. We'll see if it works. Yeah, Dale, you're not a big fan of the the right tackle, are you? I, I, I you know, I talked to, to Paul Kaharski at the combine, and you know, he said, look, he, you know, anybody who signs Jack Conklin and thinks that they're getting a premier right tackle, uh, as particularly as a pass blocker, right, is going to be yeah. is going to be wrong. He's a mauler. He's a run blocker, which is great if, if that's what you're going to do. Is that if you're going to run the football, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a passing league, and you paid him like a premium player. And I don't know that he is a premium. I think he's a. I think he's a good player. Yeah. He's an upgrade. He's an upgrade sure. over what they had, no doubt about that. But and they I are d- going to run the ball. A lot. Yeah. But if you're counting on him to block T.J. TJ Watt consistently on third and eight, I don't know that that's going to work. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Titans' offense last year, and pretty much everything went as well as it possibly could once Tannehill got in there. But they allowed a lot of sacks, and he was as much of the problem as he was the solution for that. I don't think they tried to bring him back. And then meanwhile, you draft Wills out of Bama, who was my favorite tackle in the draft, but he's never played left tackle. I mean, that's, it's, it's hard to adjust. Yeah, that's a, that's a significant thing not to have played when you're going to be asked to do it after 14 practices. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. So maybe, you know, the Browns, maybe they're still the Browns and they're they're drafting the, the guys from Alabama like you should, but they're playing them in the wrong spot. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I had a conversation with uh, with Tom Reed, who we, we just hired at DK Pittsburgh Sports, about this Browns team. And, of course, uh, you know, Tom has covered this Browns team for a long time, and we were talking about some of their offseason moves, and he said, you know, they got rid of Schobert and Kirksey, and they really didn't have anybody there no, ready don't. to replace those guys. And then you get rid of both safeties as well, so you're, you've really weakened that defense up the middle, and it already and wasn't very strong Schobert, there. I thought Schobert was really underrated. I, I, oh, he's a very good player, T, yeah. T.J. Watt light, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Same versatility, same background. 
Is he from uh, somewhere, Wisconsin, Dale? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> What's it called, Wisconsin? <laughs> I, I know he played at the, uh, in, uh, in Camp Randall Stadium, but I'm not sure where he's from. But, yeah, I thought he was a real good player. Uh, they're still trying to figure out the secondary. But, uh, you know, if they can get it together, they, they should be able to, to hit you a number of ways offensively. And if they can do that, they're going to they're gonna compete. They were competitive last year, if not successful, uh, more often than not. And something dawned on me, Dale, when you were talking about the linebacker safety conundrum or, you know, not really addressing it. I mean, the Steelers are a huge rival, but so are the Ravens. That's where the Ravens make their living in the passing game is yeah. between the numbers. And that's the biggest dog in the in the division. And you build your team that way, you know, that's a mistake. I will say, though, I guess that aside, usually the Browns offseason – looks better on paper. You know, oh, we'll pick up Odell. It's kind of like a fantasy team. This one, I thought, at least had a more of a plan in place for around the new coach. Yeah, we'll see if it's the we'll right see. plan. Right. Or if and More importantly, we'll see if they stick with the plan. That's the thing that... that They're that, about 0 for 15 on that. Yeah, they keep, they keep, you know, making the same mistakes over and over again. Fire the, fire the GM. Bring in a new GM. The new GM wants to bring in his own coach. The new coach wants to bring in his own quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and then he gets fired. The, whole system, so it, it, right. the GM gets fired and it, it cycles back through again. I think this is Baker's third system. Fourth. Fourth. Wow. Fourth system. Right, yeah. Fourth system in three years as a quarterback uh, at the NFL level. That's tough. Yeah, that's just tough, yeah. That's tough. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the, we'll see You know, if they, if they finally get it right this time. It may take. They may take a step backwards this year before they take a step forward. They might, because I, I just think that's a, that's a lot of turnover for one off season and not having any practices. To, right to get I mean, it right. It'd be different if you had it in since mini camp and you're running skeleton drills and stuff. Now it's let's hit the ground running and get ready for week one. Yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, in terms of the Bengals, I think the Bengals are moving in the right direction, Mike. I, I don't know if you agree with this, but I at least think that they seem to have. A plan. Uh, they're going to build around Joe Burrow. They, you know, they they went out and immediately got him a, another wide receiver to work with in the second round of the draft. Um, you know, they're they're at least trying to to fix mm-hmm. what they have there. Um, they made some off some I thought interesting off season acquisitions in terms of veteran guys that they brought in, uh, bringing in the, the two guys from Minnesota in that secondary, uh, the the kid from uh, the nose tackle from uh, Houston, the reader, reader yeah. That, uh, you know, they I, spent I, some money, actually. I, I, they right, spent right. some money, and I thought it was spent in areas of need. And, you know, that doesn't always happen. Those aren't – you know, going out and getting a nose tackle in free agency isn't sexy. But when you can't stop the run, it, it, and, your, and your linebackers were awful, uh, it certainly helps cover them up a little bit. Uh, you know, getting your young quarterback some, uh, some help, um, you know, to, to you know, another wide receiver to throw to certainly helps the, the process along. Yeah, I think it's really well stated, Dale. And, uh, you know, not a team that's bereft of talent, but this one I think is going to keep coming back to the rookie quarterback with 14 practices thing. And I know I know Joe Burrow had the greatest college season in the history of college seasons last year, but uh, there is going to be an adjustment period. And I think that's good. You know, the, you got to play him, I would think. Um, be stupid not to, but that doesn't mean it's going to work initially. I really look at Burrow and think he is going to be a superstar. I mean, I think he's going to be a huge thorn in the Steelers' side for years and years to come, unless the Bengals really screw him up. But it also wouldn't shock me if he has a Aikman-Peyton Manning-like rookie year 
where he's just agreed. swimming and they're one in fifteen and he's throwing picks that he wouldn't throw the next year. You know, I mean, it's just you're asking a lot from the kid. Again, I think that offensive line is still going. I know, you know, when we talked to Jeff Hobson, I, I talked to him pretty regularly and and uh, we talked to the combine. Yeah, yeah, text back and forth, see him at the combine every year. Saw him at the Super Bowl this year. We hung out for basically the entire week together, and he he's. High on that offensive line, he thinks that they can be pretty good. I get Jonah Williams, their first-round draft pick from a year ago. Didn't play a snap last year. Um, they'll get him back, put him in, plug him in at left tackle. Uh, and they've, they've added some bodies there, but I still think it's going to be an issue for them. Uh, actually, the kid, yeah, they, that's a, the big dude, Johnson, that they stole from the Steelers, played pretty well for them, too. Yeah. He may factor in for them, but I think their line's a mess. They were really bad, I was going to say. Uh, and I, I understand the tackle situation from a year ago, but – Guys, who who had the worst offensive line that we saw? The Bengals or the Chargers? It might have been the Bengals. It might have been the Bengals. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll tell you what, the Browns line wasn't great either. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a lot when people were talking last year about the Steelers' offensive line. Oh, it's got to be one of the worst in the league. I'm like, are you watching <laughs> the same that. games that I'm watching? Right. Because I've seen a lot of bad offensive line play this year. Go watch Miami last. Yeah, year. I mean Miami was. There were just there were there were ten offensive lines that were just god awful last year. Flat out year. bad. Right. Flat out just terrible. And the Steelers played a bunch of them, and that certainly helped with their, with their the, you know the way that their defense played. Um, but I I mean, the, the Steelers offensive line. Well, I thought it did take a, a, a half step backwards last year. I still think it's a solid offensive line. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, it. I think it'll be better this year too. I think I think Filer inside is going to help the running game significantly. I do as well. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think that's going to be a, a major upgrade. Um, nothing against Ramon Foster, but he just couldn't. Uh, he could, struggled. He couldn't do the things that they wanted him to do. He wasn't the same Ramon Foster of old. Yeah, I, I would agree. And uh, you know, time gets everybody. It but does. Matt, getting back to the Bengals as we talk about offensive lines here, it's, something is jarring in my head. Uh, did you know we had we did the uh, preview show every Thursday last year on uh, DV every Thursday night? Did Merrill Hodge say after the Bengals game that that was the worst offensive line he had ever seen? <laughs> yes, he, he, he had watched the all twenty-two and thought, yeah. "Boy, they made an, a ridiculous amount of mental errors. Didn't know who to block. When they did, they got outmanned. You know, like he it was." It was an impressive conversation with Merrill as to, of all yeah, the tape I've ever watched, that's about the worst offensive line play I've ever seen. I shouldn't speak exactly for him because I'm not maybe remembering remembering, remembering it uh, quite exactly the way he put it, but he was appalled, aghast. Yeah. Offended. Um, yeah. yeah it was just like, <laughs> right. That's offended is the point. We've had coalesced and now we've had offended. Uh, you guys are uh, We're on fire. You guys are hitting the – Hitting the right buttons tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he is Mike Pursuta. I'm Dale Lally. That's Matt Williamson. You're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We've talked about the AFC North. We're going to talk about the AFC as a whole when we come back. Uh, certainly the the, the conference, uh, maybe not quite as strong as it was last year. Maybe a little bit better. We'll talk about that. Uh, when we come back, They do the, the conference does return the defending Super Bowl champions and until proven otherwise, they're Isn't Springsteen their quarterback. Or Springsteen is their quarterback. Man, that uh, yeah. wow. That's a. I don't know if I'd tag Patrick Mahomes with that, but <laughs> he, he is the he is the future of rock and roll. Okay, no, we'll, we'll, remember we'll the old uh, remember the old review, Dale. I have seen the future of rock and roll, John Landau. Yeah, yeah. Back um, in the early seventies, throw yes, that speedball uh, by you. 
Throw that speedball by you. That's right. Uh, but we'll get to that right after this on Steelers Nation Radio. We are back. You're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson and Mike Brasuda. And, guys, I, I did want to talk about the rest of the AFC. Uh, we've seen some teams hit pretty hard by the opt-outs, uh, off-season yeah. uh, guys who left in the offseason, none more so than the New England Patriots. And, yes, they got Cam Newton to help replace Tom Brady in the offseason. But, man, the, the opt-outs have been hard on them. And, you know, they're, I, they're a team that was built around that defense. I don't know how the offense is going to score much this year. I think they're in trouble. I mean, I think it'll be a real testament if Belichick gets his team now to, you know, nine wins or the playoffs or wins that division, which I don't think is very good. The, the biggest key to me is kind of like you touched on, the defense was really, really good last year, but it was a little inflated with who they played. But still, don't take anything away from them. It took a lot of hits. I mean, that front seven, their linebackers are all gone. They lost their top two sack guys. Yeah. Then they lost Hightower. And Chung, who plays like a linebacker. Yeah. Like, all those those front seven, front eight type guys are totally gone. And uh, I, I'm really excited to see their offense, though. I, I think there's a very good chance that we won't recognize the way they play the game, that it's going to look a lot more like the Ravens offense than it did the Brady offense. Yeah, they lost some good players on offense, too. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the right tackle, Cannon, and uh, the kid they brought in to be their fullback. I can't remember his name. but yeah. uh, There's nothing behind you know, Cannon they, right now, and, either. And they used the fullback. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's not a throwaway position there. Um, Cam Newton, when healthy, I think is a very good player. But, you know, we'll see how healthy he is. I know he's put out some really cool workout videos on Twitter and that's all very impressive. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think they're in trouble. It's a, I, I've, I've been kind of laughing at uh, some of the reactions and mumble, mumblings and murmurings I've heard around the league where people are publicly or privately speculating, well, Belichick's got to know something. You know, what's what's going on here? He's ahead of the curve again. Like, oh, yeah, lose, uh, lose a significant portion of your team. Uh, to quote uh, the guy in Dodgeball, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for him. <laughs> I, I think they're in big trouble. Big trouble. Yeah, I think so as well. And, um, man, that team had a small margin uh, for error to begin with. Um, and I think no. that's one of the reasons why Brady wanted out of there. Oh, I think so too. And I also, I also think, since we're talking AFC here, I think their division is going to be much improved. Uh, you know, people that want to do uh, throw rocks at the dynasty have always put, well, they play in the AFC East and all those teams stink and – uh, you always have home field advantage, and you know you're one win away from the championship game. Of course, you're going to win all the Super Bowls that they won. Uh, I think I, I think Buffalo. I really like. Uh, God help me. Uh, I like the quarterback. I like the way that team's going. I thought the Jets had a pretty good defense last year, mm-hmm. and I think I think they're slowly but uh, steadily making progress. And boy, what Miami bring in? 17 draft choices. Uh, they got Tua. Uh, Miami's no joke either. Uh, all of a sudden, the Patriots might not be able to waltz through the AFC East portion of their schedule the way they always have, and uh, that is going to be impactful. Do you think the Bills are a contender, though? 
I do. Okay. I mean, I think most people do. I, I, I think you like Allen more than well, I do, me, but they're a well-constructed team. Let me let me say this. I think everybody is choking on Kansas City's dust right now, but, you know, that doesn't mean the Chiefs are going to win either. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the favorite doesn't always win. But I, You think the Ravens Kansas are substantially City behind to, Kansas City, though? Just enough, yeah. They're okay. not on the same okay. level. Different but, tier. But, uh, you know, if we do the uh, NCAA basketball analogy, uh, you know, the uh, – the four through eight seeds, uh, Buffalo's in there. Okay. I don't um, agree with that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I think the Jets are a better team. I, I still like Sam Darnold. I do too. I, I think he's going to be a pretty good quarterback if they don't, don't ruin him don't up there. I dislike him. Yeah. 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 I, I'm, there's something there. I agree. Um, so we'll see. I mean, mo- them losing Mosley before this all starts hurts. Them losing – they're trading away Jam- Adam. Jamal Adams. Right. This might not be their year. This might be because the year that, before their year. Yeah, but I think you know they're getting two draft, two first round draft picks out of that at that Adams pick. Um, I think they're moving in the right direction at least. Uh, with and if they by the way, it, that was way too much for. Tomorrow. Oh my god, yes, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, mean, I like the guy, but come on, Jets fans should be doing jumping jacks over that. People I mean, were trying to justify that by saying that Jamal Adams, well, he's forced the same number of turnovers that Troy Polamalu did in his first three years, forgetting the fact that Polamalu was. Wasn't a starter his first year. <laughs> Played like 400 snaps. Right. Like Adams a great player. He doesn't right? take the ball away. No, he doesn't take the ball away. And there's I, I've seen nothing that shows me he's ever going to take the ball away. Yeah, Did a I, nice job at the combine though. He was one of the guys they brought in to uh, supplement the coverage on the NFL Network. Oh, did he? How about that? Yeah, yeah. there you go. So How there's about? so there's that. What about the uh, what about the AFC South? I think this is like maybe the most intriguing division, maybe of all in in all of football. I think you make a case for any of the three. Yeah, you could you, know, you, right. you could make a case for for all three of those top teams. Jacksonville might be the worst team in the AFC, but uh, the rest of them are all in that. I don't know that any of them you consider any of them a, a, a true Super Bowl contender, Probably but I think they're not. all good enough that they could beat somebody on a given day. I think Colts are a little scary. I, I'm not sold on Phillip Rivers at all. I think he's done. I, You know, I thought that at times last year, and then I remembered how bad their offensive line was. Yeah. <laughs> and he won't have that problem with the Colts, and they'll have a running game. And uh, I, I think that's an intriguing team. Yeah. Uh, an Tennessee, interesting note on the I'm Colts wondering. real quick. I just want to throw this out there. Oh, that sure. 365 days ago, they still had Andrew Luck. You know, like right, you yeah. talk about a bomb being dropped. It was this late in the process before he decided, ah, I'm not coming back. Like, and they put a respectable season together despite that. I mean, it's something you can't overcome. And I'm still not buying Tannehill. You know, God help me. Uh, maybe it's that Cleveland syndrome. Uh, I saw enough of him to think it was time to write him off, and he did play very well last year, but. Uh, I don't know if they can Derrick Henry everybody to death again. I just not not I'm not high on Tennessee uh, getting to the championship game again. I'm a Vrabel guy though. I, I think of the the Belichick disciples or ones that were closely knit with him. Vrabel might be the best of the bunch. Um, I think play, the team play hard, and I like the way he you know bring, brings the, that team along. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're a well coached football team. They get the most out of their guys. I can't argue that. I mean, yeah, I, right. I can't. I, th- I, by that. I think yeah. he does a good job. I think he's he's certainly as as good as anybody out there. Um, good young football coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think Houston's going to take a step backwards if, if if you look at any of those three teams that could do that. I like 
pretty much everything that Indianapolis has around yeah. Rivers. But, again, I, I just think that he just – its I, I think his, his mind now writes checks that his arm can't cash. I, I just think he's lost some on the fastball, and he hasn't realized it yet. Maybe he realize, maybe this, maybe he does that this year. Maybe he realizes that he's lost some of that. To, but, to Mike's point, I mean, if he's better protected and they can run the ball, then I can see it because I didn't like it all how he played last year. But I do think that's a smart organization. Frank Reich's a smart coach. He's been around Rivers a lot. But they need him to take a step back and be a, a peripheral player. Yeah, which he, which he might be happy to Maybe. do at this point. Maybe. Um, by the way, I just I just checked the phone, uh, multitasking here, and uh, we got a uh, tweet. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this yet or not, but uh, gents listening to the show, great show as usual. Regarding your points about New England, don't discount Belichick's propensity to find ways to cheat to compensate <laughs> for their shortcomings. Huh. God, I love Steeler Nation. Yeah. <laughs> His uh... – <laughs> His Twitter handle is Von Olhoffen one, so maybe he is a little. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but a, a salient point—you never know with those uh, those uh, scrappy Patriots. What they're going to come up Stranger things with. have happened. Yeah, no doubt. But by the way, Dale, if I could take us off track again here before I get out of here, uh, you might recall yesterday that we talked about uh, T.J. Watt and uh, being from where'd you call it? Anywhere Wisconsin or somewhere Wisconsin? I believe whatever Wisconsin, but I can't remember. Whatever Wisconsin, yeah. middle of nowhere uh, Wisconsin. And then I mentioned I wrote that program story last year. Uh, I went and looked it up because you know I don't have a whole lot to do these days. Uh, the name of his hometown is Pewaukee, P-E-W-A-U-K-E-E. Population, according to the 2010 U.S. Census, was 13,195. He described Capital Drive as the main drag in town. He said it had, and I'm quoting here, a McDonald's, a Buffalo Wild Wings, a furniture store, and a Kinko's. Everything you need, you know? <laughs> Kinko's. Probably not a heavily recruited town. You know, maybe that's why J.J. had to take the roundabout way to get in there. And he, he did say they weren't, you know, they weren't like Marinovich's. They weren't dedicated to being an NFL guy since they were eight years old. Uh, you know, when they weren't working out or playing or going to school, they did, quote, all the normal high school stuff. You'd get into some stuff here and there, typical kids. And then I, I interjected about cow tipping, and he said, quote, it was Wisconsin, but no, there weren't cows around. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to clear that. Yeah, right. Anybody, Other people uh, been waiting. was wondering after yesterday. So it's kind of like Milwaukee, except it's Keewaukee. Pewaukee. 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 Okay. P-E-W-A-U-K-E-E. Hmm. Which is Algonquin for the good land. My hunch is they're the most famous Pewaukeeans. There was a couple other guys that went to the league. I forget who they oh, were really? now, but uh, they, they were not the first NFLers from there. Shocking. Interestingly enough. Wow. But uh, anyways, uh, real quick on the uh, AFC West, I think it's the Chiefs. I think the Chargers are an interesting team, um, but – Mike, do you yeah. think the AFC West is the new AFC East, where it's just yep. one team for a decade? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm kind not of sure the same Gruden's ever going to get it figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take the Chargers uh, are a backwards organization. It's going to take Herbert a while. Um, yeah, they're Denver is a mess. Well, maybe not a mess, but not uh, a They're not married a to Drew Locke right yeah. now, and that's just not a good thing. Right. Yeah. So that's that's a great analogy, Matt. Yeah, they the could new be AFC East. Five and one, six and zero oh in the division for the next ten years. So that means the uh, 
the road's going to go through Arrowhead, and Dale, you know what happens there. Chief's going to beat the heck out of you. Out of you. <laughs> you, 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 you. That's my favorite. I'll tell you, I, you know, people ask me all the time, what's my favorite stadium to visit? It's that one. KC? Yeah. It's I don't right know how you there. feel about it, Mike, but I, I think that place was just built right. Ah, it's right up there. I, I'm amazed. That it, when did it open? Like 71, something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, they, they built both of those stadiums right next to each other, uh, just off the highway. It's out of town. It, you know, the trend now is to build all your ballparks downtown so you can be around the bars and restaurants. But everybody out there tailgates so you don't need a bar or restaurant. And they've both held up spectacularly. They've been, you know, remodeled. and They put some money into them. But uh, what a great uh, decision that was to do what they did back in the early 70s and, you know, modernize Kansas, Kansas City from a professional sports standpoint. Uh, Green Bay is always up near the top of yeah. my list. Just because uh, it's Green Bay. It's got to be, yeah. Because yeah. it's Green Bay. I think Seattle's a phenomenal football environment. Yes. Uh, that, that place really, uh, really rocks. And I love New Orleans too. Uh, the fans in New Orleans are just crazy. That play, the, um, the the stadium though is just. I mean, we were trapped in the press box the last time for a good hour after the game, in New Orleans. Like, trying to get downstairs and you couldn't. They had one elevator. Oh wow! They said you could go down those stairs, but I wouldn't recommend it because you might, if you if you slip and fall, you're going to go all the way. You'll be laying down on, on the turf down at the bottom. <laughs> it just wasn't wasn't pretty. It's very, very, very high up in the sky. Too. Very, very high. And, uh, yes. It's a real fun place to see a football game. I mean, it's just uh, – Fan base they, is strong. It really, really matters down there. Um, trying to think if I've left anybody out. Nashville. Uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, I like Nashville. I like – I mean, I, I like – like I think they had the best press box in terms of the, the sight lines from where we're watching. And I just like the ambience of that downtown stadium. You can walk there from – you know, you can go over and be at a honky tonk, and five minutes later, you're at the stadium. That helps. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> but, uh, there's, there, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, not not too many Oaklands left, and now uh, Oakland's now not gone, even Oakland so. left. So yeah, yeah. At, uh, Kansas well, City's we, a good ever, fan base to luck into Mahomes, though, or you know, get get a guy like that for hopefully for the next decade. I mean, at the, they're deserving. They had some rough times. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. If we've gone there a lot. Uh, in recent years, and every time we would go, I'd be doing the pregame show, and they had that flag, uh, you know, Super Bowl four champions that was still up on that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, God bless them, they still remember that. I don't have to worry about that anymore. No, yeah. they that do not. To, yeah, no, they do that not. That falls to the Jets now. Did you, did you notice at MetLife, Dale, they have that little thing in the corner uh, on the facade, <laughs> like where there would be a ring of honor and a Super Bowl three champ? It should but. just be a picture of Joe Namath in a fur coat. Mm hmm. Yeah, or go. the one, you know, him sitting by the pool guaranteeing it. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to let you go, Mike. I uh, appreciate you uh, stopping by and talking to us here, as you do every hour for the first hour of the training camp report. Uh, that was Mike Pursuta of the DVE Morning Show and, of course, the Steelers pregame Steelers Radio Network. Uh, you're listening to Dale Lally and Matt Williamson. Matt and I will be back right after this. back. Uh, Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, Matt, earlier today, as we made mention to 
earlier in the show, we had an opportunity to talk to Deontay Johnson today, mm-hmm. and uh, the Steelers' uh, rookie wide receiver, or second-year wide receiver now, a rookie last year, but uh, second-year wide receiver, uh, a lot expected of him, not just in Pittsburgh, but I think a lot, he's gaining a lot of traction nationally as well. Yeah, right, and in this upcoming segment, we're going to hear from him. Um, I think he could be a star. Yeah, I think he has that potential. I, I think really there's, do. Yeah. And the Steelers, uh, you know, they, they had a lot of belief in him last year. I think they had him as their number one rated receiver on their board in last year's draft. I say things like that, but I don't think that was lip service. No, yeah. he's, he's – the talent is there. Yeah. I mean, the ta- a great yeah. rookie class. Um, I think he's as good as any of them. I mean, I'd rather be Jay Brown probably, but, I mean, I think he's got a really bright future. The type of receiver they've had a lot of success with here – and, you know, the last two that they've drafted, him and Claypool, they're really different. You know, I think there's a, a nice variety there between their two skill sets. Yeah, I believe so as well. So let's hear from Deontay Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry we're not ready. Up here, right? We're not ready for that one yet. I, I screwed <laughs> that up. That's, that's my complete, uh, completely my fault there. But, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, I agree. I think, I think Deontay is going to be really good. We will be hearing from him. We but. will be hearing from him in the next segment. I, yes. I, I jumped the gun there. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, uh, yeah, the, the other guy that we had a chance to talk to today was, uh, was Vince Williams, and we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about him the last couple of days. Uh, and one of the things, um, you know, I think that is overlooked a little bit um, – is the communication aspect of things in that uh, right. we've talked a lot about that. Um, but it's huge. It, it's especially huge. Especially in a season like this. Yeah. I think a lot of teams are going to have communication issues or have to, quote, dummy things down, you know, just a, a, a coach's trust perspective. And maybe Vince doesn't run as well as some of the linebackers out there. But having that trusty, been-there-done-it guy who's also a really good communicator – could have a big ripple effect. It goes back to, uh, like, for example, Keith Butler always said that if you look at linebackers, um, their first few years are kind of learning the game. Yeah, right. A lot of them just run around. Yeah, a lot of them just running around, getting by on their athleticism. He says they don't hit their peak until, like, years five or so. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. And then, right. and then you know, they can play longer than that and stay at a peak level because they now have a better understanding of the game. Even when the, the athleticism starts to slip a little bit, they've still they've now still have the knowledge to get by. So you look at a guy like a James Ferrier, for mm-hmm. example. Good call. Um, who was able to play well into his 30s and play at a high level because he had a great understanding of the game. You, you take fewer false steps, and yeah. therefore you play faster. You know what you're looking at. Right. You, the I'm teams aren't going to trick that. you. Yeah. Right. I knew what's coming. I've been watching this guard on tape, and his knuckles are white. He's probably coming out in, yeah. in, a, in a run. You know, you, you learn the it's tricks. It's a similar thing with, with safeties as well. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, I mean, they they get the, this, these are the two positions that have their eyes on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can't fall for for the misdirection and the, and the subterfuge that takes place. Right. I mean, one false step, and they'll kill you. I mean, there's a slant yeah. coming behind you. Whereas, you're at, you know, your pass rushers, are, I'm just going to beat this guy in front of me. Right. And I'm going to get to the quarterback. Or cornerbacks watching that receiver in front of him, not necessarily peeking in the backfield. You start peeking in the backfield. That's where you get into some trouble. Yes. I mean, ideally, you'd love to have brains and extreme athleticism. But for an edge guy, the the bar is high in terms of how much athletic ability you need to be successful. I mean, you can be smart as you want, but if you can't bend and you can't get off the ball really, really well, you're going to struggle. Where linebackers, obviously the Ray Lewis's of the world that had both, are the supreme guys. And you hope that Bush and Shazier was getting to that point, too. 
But if you only have one or the other, it doesn't mean you're a liability either. You know, especially older in life and you take, take smart steps. And, you know, a lot of safeties, people think safeties all run four fours. I mean, even there's the guys that are guys, very successful that run four sevens. Yeah. I mean, you don't yeah. have to necessarily be fast. I mean, it's about angles. Yeah, knowing yeah. don't again not taking the false steps. Yeah, knowing what you're looking for. Don't take the cheese. Yeah, don't take the cheese. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I think that you know when when you look at um, you know what the Steelers have here coming back on defense, uh, in particular, uh, you understand why Ben Roethlisberger was so excited to come Without back question. for the season. You know, Without he's question. he's he's been asked to carry a big load the last few years. Um, yeah. And, and now that's, that's been lessened quite a bit. Uh, you know, it's not all on his shoulders in the offense. No. And, you know, we had a good conversation with, with Mike, obviously, in the first hour, and we were going around the, the conference. I'm feeling stronger and stronger that the Steelers are that third team in the conference. I mean, I, I disagree with Mike a little bit. I don't think the gap between Baltimore and Kansas City is huge. You know, there's a, a different taste in your mouth of how both teams finish their season. But Baltimore is a really, really good team. And that doesn't mean the Steelers can't win the division. But I do think right this second, as we sit here in early August, it's a conversation of who's the third team in the AFC. Yeah, I think the Steelers' case is, is as strong as any. Yeah, I think when you look at what they have coming back, uh, certainly the continuity factor. Um, I'm not, as we talked about in that previous segment, I'm not sold on Indianapolis. No, I'm not either. Uh, I think they're a good team. I don't know that they're ready to be that team. Yet. Right, um, and I don't know that Philip Rivers changes that for me. I, I understand that he's, you could say he's at well, he's done a lot in the league. He, well, he's done a lot in the league, but he hasn't won a lot of playoff games. No, he hasn't. I think he's declining quickly. I mean, I, I like Tennessee in that division, and I like Tannehill certainly more than Mike did. But that doesn't mean I, you know, he's not a bird in the hand. I'm not sure. Um, and they they play a style of play that doesn't have a lot of room for error too. Yeah, it could be Buffalo, but I don't know about their quarterback yeah. either. You know, I mean, I think it's safe to say out of Tannehill, Rivers, and Allen, you trust Ben the most. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he's right. he's done the most. I mean, right. until Cam Newton came into the the conference, Ben Roethlisberger had as many playoff wins as all the other quarterbacks in the conference combined, including Rivers, including Rivers, including Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just you know, I'm sorry, but you know. I know Lamar Jackson's good, but he still hasn't won a playoff game. I say game nobody yet. else in the divisions won one. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to one. Until Newton was there, nobody in the AFC East or the AFC yeah, North had won sense. had won another one other yeah, than Ben. Quarterbacks are up in the East. So you know, Tannehill's got one, or he had one until last year. Then he got well, okay. two more. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's Rivers just, doesn't have many for as long. As yeah, for as long as he's right? been in the league, as long as Ben, he hasn't. There's I'm not. not sure a, if, does Watson have one? Yes, because they've made the playoffs often. But they don't go far. Yeah, they typically. <laughs> in a couple of years ago, he wasn't the court. He got hurt. Right. He may not have any. He may not have any. Yeah, I, I, I counted those all up the one yeah, day, I and, and, and it, it, they didn't. They had the same number as Ben, who has thirteen. Mm-hmm. And you know, Newton changes things, obviously. Yeah. But when you did that study, it wasn't. You know, he, Brady was gone, and Newton wasn't there yet. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting in that. I, th- I think that does matter. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I, I too. think that you're not going to be overwhelmed by going into Denver, for example, and playing because Ben's already done that. Yeah, I've done that. You right. know, yeah. you're going to you're not going to be overwhelmed going to Kansas City. He's he's taken teams into Kansas City and won in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think the AFC in general has a really impressive, really young group of quarterbacks led by Mahomes, Lamar, Watson, Burrow, even Tua. You know, I mean, we haven't seen those two yet. You talked about Darnold. I like Darnold a lot, too. You know, like, that's a pretty good five or six guys 
for the next 10 years. But they haven't done that much. <laughs> you know right, I mean? yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's still it's, in front of them. It's Yeah, and that doesn't mean that they can't. Sure. It just means that they haven't yet, and until they do, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah, still it could unknown. could be this year. I mean, who's to say? But um, it's, it's in front of those guys. Where It certainly looks, though, like, the, you know, again, the AFC is top-heavy. Yeah, I think two teams are really strong. And then again, you're, you're you're fighting for that third spot. And as we saw last year with Tennessee, you know, being that third third that that third spot still made it to the AFC Championship. Right. And the reality is, you really just have to be one of the top seven. Right. And yeah, you just need to get into the tournament. Land after that, you, know? you just need to get into the tournament. If you do that, everything else kind of falls into place. There's only one team that gets a bye this year, so I mean, right. three versus seven isn't that much different. Yeah. Yeah. So, Especially there's no no, no one in the stands. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, that's the kind of the equalizer. I mean, right. what's Don't Kansas what's Kansas City going to be like this year? Because that that going into Kansas City that was sure. a big part of that. It, going is, to Seattle, going yeah. To some of these loud, some of these loud right. places. You wonder like, is it going to be the same daunting task that it was? Especially that, playoff time, and you know, right? I mean, they're still going to be good. You still no, have course, to you course. still have to deal with that offense. You'd rather play in your building, but. Uh, but, you know, uh, Ramon Foster, uh, Cam Hayward uh, kind of talked about this in the offseason. And Ramon Foster, uh, on, on his column this week on DKPittsburghSports.com, said, look, if you're a veteran guy and you're playing in a silent stadium, mm-hmm. you're going to pick stuff up. Yeah, that was a really good point that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, you're going to you're going to hear things. You're going to see things. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensive adjustments. You're going to hear offensive adjustments. Yeah. Um, and you're going to pick up on those things much easier without the crowd noise. And if you're a good player, if you're a kind of the player, the kind of player that can quickly process those things, you again a, a veteran guy who's been around the block, a good communicator. Back to Vince Williams, yeah, seen things. You know, like um, it's going to help you. You're going to yeah, have an right. advantage no. over a younger guy who maybe's still kind of learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're hearing everything everybody's saying, just like you are in the backyard with your buddies. <laughs> you're going to hear things, and you're going to learn the signals, and it'll be just as hard for them. Over a short week, you know, not a lot of practices to change everything up or add a bunch of new signals, you know, or a bunch of new things, you know, that everyone will know and be on the same page with. So that's a good point. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to watch all that as well as all this takes place in front of us. This, it, the whole season is going to be something new for us all. Mm-hmm. It's funny, the more I think about that playoff home field advantage huh, okay that just means i gotta get on a plane yeah, it just means you gotta get on a plane <laughs> go go right. sleep in a hotel but you're right. it, you know again maybe that changes between I now hope and it then does, of course but yeah right. um we, we talked about it earlier today with the super bowl stuff like what's that gonna look like mm-hmm. um super bowl week's not gonna be the same as it talking the same glitz and glamour and gigantic you know production that it has been obviously. no for sure uh but certainly the uh, the playoffs themselves going to be a much different animal yeah fortunately uh, there's a lot of time between now and then for to get some answers or some cures or better you know something yeah better something better more but at least i'm happy we have the season yeah i am as well but uh, we're going to take a break okay. when we come back we're going to get to that deontay johnson interview that i talked about um, <laughs> <laughs> quite the tease yes quite the tease we've been teasing that one for a while and we'll get to that right after this on the training camp report Our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, Matt, we're going to get to a Steelers training camp uh, media availability here. Those are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, 
one of the guys we got to talk to today as a member of the, uh, with the media uh, was Deontay Johnson, the Steelers' rookie receivers I've referenced in the previous segment. Yeah, right. and Really had a great uh, rookie year and uh, lots expected of him. Um, but I, I thought he was optimistic. You know, yeah, right, right. he sounded really good today. Really uh, excited about the the opportunities ahead of him. Excited to play with Ben Roethlisberger. And uh, let's hear what Deontay yeah. Johnson had to say today. All right, everybody. Uh, we appreciate your time today, and uh, we'll get started with Deontay here in just a second once we get it all squared up. All righty, we'll start with uh, Mark Caboli at The Athletic. Mark, go ahead. Hey, uh, Deontay, how you doing? I was just wondering, uh, how much still does uh, the memory of Daryl Drake have a say in that room? And how much did that affect you? Not you, maybe, but the entire group last year. Hold on one year. second, Mark. We're not hearing you here. Hold on one sec. Okay, we should be able to hear you now, Mark. You got me? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Right. I was uh, just asking, uh, how much does a voice, or how much uh, does voice does Daryl Drake still have in that room to you guys uh, after uh, last year? And what did he mean to you guys? And uh, is he, uh, what he taught you last year in the short time, is that still hang with you guys today? Um... Uh, we still remember him every day. I mean, like, he's still with us. Like, we still like remember the things he used to tell us each and every day. I mean, shout out to Noah. I remember we was getting a lot of stuff um, when we started off the season, like 0-4 last year. So we, we continue to keep that with us each uh, each and every day this year. Um, he meant a lot to us. Like I said before, just you don't see see those type of guys like come across those type of guys like that. Um, just the impact he uh, had on us was so big. I mean, it was just so much love from him, like, every day. He, like, had a different type of bond with each and every one of us whenever we had problems or whatever. He can go, we can go to him about anything. He taught, he taught me a lot. I mean, although I didn't have that much time with him, but he taught me a lot of stuff that I could add to my game and just about life in general. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. We'll move on to Ray Fittipaldo with the Post-Cadet. Ray, go ahead. Hey, Deontay, how you doing? I'm doing good. You put up some nice numbers as a rookie last year, but I was wondering, um, have you thought about the potential this year with, with Ben being back in the fold and what that could mean um, for your second season in the league? Um, I thought about it. The end of the season last year, just getting back ready and ben, expecting Ben to come back 100%. I mean, I'm looking forward to um, getting on the field with Ben this year and um, just to be able to help him win games and win a championship too. So, um, I mean, I know how hard he's worked this offseason to get back healthy. And I know how hard I've been working to uh, prepare myself for this season. And uh, just to be back, be able to be back on the field with him uh, this year is just amazing. Right? I can't wait to get it going. All righty. Thanks, Ray. We'll move on to Brooke Pryor, ESPN. Brooke, go ahead. 
Hey, Deontay, um, speaking of Ben, you know, he was telling us yesterday that just the season on the sideline kind of changed his perspective, seeing how people communicated, seeing how the offense worked from a different perspective. And just the short time that you guys have been back on the field in these kind of light practices, have you noticed a different way that he communicates or he works with you guys? And what's it been like to have him back in the huddle and have things kind of return to normal or at least what they were um, last season, last training camp? Um, it's, it's been pretty good. I mean, everybody wants to play for Ben, obviously. He's our leader. He's our quarterback. So everybody's locked in. Every play, whenever the ones are up, we locked in. We know what we got to do. And the, just the energy he brings to the offense, I mean, because you, you want to play for a, a guy like Ben. I mean, he's going to make help, help you make plays, and you want to make him look good as well. So, and just he, he's different this year from what I seen last year. Like, he had, he's, like, more excited. And he's, like, anxious to get on the field and want to play with us. So that, that makes you want to play for him even more. So that's, that's the big thing. That's one of the things I've been seeing from him, just him engaging with me more than he did last year. I mean, just because me, I was a rookie, so he wasn't talking to me like that. But now just being able to talk to him and have that connection and just we're just going to keep building. I'm trying to just help him win the championship. Thanks. Thanks, Brooke. We'll go to Aditi Kinkubala with the NFL Network. Aditi, if you're on, go ahead. I'm here. Uh, hold on one sec. There we go. Okay. Hi. Thank you, Deontay. Um, you talk about wanting to help Ben. So one of the things that Ben desperately needs and this offense needs is a home run hitter. What's a home run hitter? And why are you the guy who can be that? Home run hitter? I mean, somebody that can take the top off the defense, uh, stretch the field, and just help the quarterback make plays down the field. And, uh, just being able to, um, I feel like I can be that guy because I, my ability to make plays um, off the line, make plays, getting out my breaks, um, and just being, like I said, being able to make plays down the field, uh, give him the option to come to me on third down, whatever down it is, I'm just going to try to be consistent for him. Thanks, Didi. We'll go to Dale Lolly with DK. Dale, go ahead. Hey, Deontay. Um, Obviously, your rookie year, I'm sure, was a whirlwind for you last year. Uh, did you step back at any point during the offseason and look back on what you did? And, and what did you learn from that rookie season that you can now take into this year? Um, I learned a lot, actually. I mean, just the, the, game, the pace of the game and just what it takes to be a pro. I mean, just coming in, I didn't really know much of what to expect and just I was just picking my the team, my teammates' brains and like what to do and how to do certain things and just being able to ask those to my toolbox helped me out a lot. So now everything's kind of slowed down for me. So I kind of know what to do and how to take care of my body and what to eat and stuff like that to prepare myself for the season. So that's pretty much what I, I would say I learned. Thanks, Deontay. Thanks, Dale. We'll move on to Jim Wexel, 247 Sports. Jim? Hey, Deont Deontay, two quick ones. Um, they wanted you to add strength and weight after after last year. How did that go? And also, compare Ben's fastball this year to last year. Um, really, I just was eating healthy, making sure I'm putting the right things in my body. I mean, I last year I weighed around, around like 180. Recently, I weighed 191. I kind of dropped down to 186 now, so I'm kind of comfortable with my weight right now. You know? 
last year, Ben's I feel like Ben's arm is way better than it was last year. Just being able to catch the ball from him, like I said before, is just exciting. I mean, I'm just trying to help him win games and uh, make him look good each and every play. Has he cut one loose yet? Well, I mean, really cut it loose? Yeah, he's, he's, he's cut a, a lot of them loose, actually. Yesterday, I mean, it's nice, tight spiral, like, like you want to wherever. He's going to put the ball wherever he, he wants to, and, uh, just, like I said, just make Ben look good out there. Thanks, Jim. We'll Thanks. move on to Jeff Hathorne, 93.7. Hey, Deontay, appreciate you doing this. Hey, how much do you know about Ike Hilliard's career? And if so, how does that help with credibility and some of the stuff that he's teaching to you guys? Um, I don't know much, but I know he was a, a good receiver. I know he started for eight years. Um, he had a great career, but he, he knows some stuff. And uh, what he's been telling me uh, these past uh, couple of days, Seems like like he can add a lot to my game. You know, I'm just soaking everything up, trying to take it in, because you you always gonna have stuff to work on. So, and I'm always open to like learning new things. So that's what I've been trying to do, like pick his brain, whether it's on film, outside on routes, technique, just little stuff like that. Just trying to add extra stuff to my toolbox. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks, Jeff. We'll move on to Tim Benz with the trip. Tim, go ahead. Hey, Deontay, uh, we spoke yesterday with uh, Matt Canada. He was brought on board, of course, to be the quarterback coach. But when he was offensive coordinator at Pitt, uh, he did a lot of creative, inventive things to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers via pre-snap motion, jet sweeps, things of that sort. If he and Randy Feetner put their heads together and sort of collaborate in that regard, are you the kind of player that would most benefit from some of those wrinkles thrown into an offense? Could you help in that regard? Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm going to do whatever they ask me to do. So that's the big, that's the main thing. I mean, although it's new stuff, I'm still, I'm still actually learning all those new motions and stuff and the stuff he's brought over to us. I mean, I want I'm I want to say as tough as it's just something that you got to put my put your mind to and just want to learn it. And I'm just going to, like I said, I'm going to go out there and do whatever it takes to help them two guys win. Is it fun? Do you find like room for explosiveness there for you in particular? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's, it's going to create, like you said, create ways for me to get open and make plays. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. We'll move on to Brian Backo. What the post is that? Brian, go ahead. Hey, Deontay. Um, since we last talked to you, sorry, since we last talked to you uh, back in May or whatever, uh, the NFL has obviously done away with the preseason games for this year as a guy going into your second year when you know maybe you're, you're trying to look for uh, kind of a big leap uh, how much does do you think that's going to hurt not just you but uh, the offense or, or is there not much concern about not having those games to, to get ready for this year yeah I mean I'm not I wouldn't say it would be a concern I mean it'll be, it'll be a concern for like not a concern but like it's just gonna be different for like the guys that's trying to make the team it's gonna be a real big difference for them because although you need those games to like actually show what you can do but other than that thing we're gonna be fine I mean guys don't been training all season getting ready for the season like the pros and the vets don't know what to do and stuff so it's just it's nothing new it's just how you're gonna pre prepare for the game and how you attack the day every day thanks all right, we'll move on to Mike Pazuda with WDVE. Trip, go ahead. 
How's it going, Deontay? Um, we had uh, Randy Finkner on here last week, and he mentioned you missed a lot of time in the offseason last year, rookie camp and a lot of the OTAs. How were you able to overcome that, all those things that rookies usually need? You were able to be productive anyway. What uh, what got you through the season? Um, it's like, coming, I didn't like coming in, I didn't really know how to take care of my body. Um, just little soft tissue injuries, I mean, <clears throat> And eating the right things. I mean, now I know, like now I know what to do. Now I know how to prepare myself, know what to eat, hydrate, and stuff like that. I mean, just being able to pick 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 the brands from the vets and like ask them questions on like how did what what they do to take care of their bodies. That's all I did was pick their brands and just add it to my toolbox. And now coming in, I know what to do. So like everything slowed down. My body's feeling good. I feel healthy. I feel I'm feeling 100%. I'm ready to go. I'm just ready to play right now. That's all I'm winning. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. We'll move on to Joe Rudder with the trip. Joe, go ahead. Hey, Deontay. How you doing? Good. When we last talked to you in May, um, you were still awaiting clearance, you know, from from your surgery. Yep. When did that happen? And did it take you a while to kind of get caught back up? And are you you feel like you're there now? I, I couldn't catch the first part. When we talked to you in May, you had not gotten clearance from your injury, your hernia surgery. When mm -hmm. did that happen? And um, where are you at now? Um, I'm 100% now. I mean, I really didn't know anything. I mean, it's just football stuff like that's going to happen. I mean, I just played through it, whatever. I mean, I'm 100% and I'm ready to go. All right, we'll move on to Jenna Harner with WPXI. Go ahead, Jenna. Hey, Deontay, thanks so much for taking some time. What's it been like for you guys kind of adjusting to this new normal here? And I guess, is there that much that's really changed for you guys? Um, It's kind of, it's different. I mean, just being out all these guidelines you got to follow or whatnot, I mean, social distancing and stuff in the locker room, it's just, it's different. I mean, I'm still getting used to it. Everybody else is too. Just, just gotta adjust to it. That's what everybody's been doing. So, I mean, you just can't complain about it. You just gotta do what you gotta do to um, get through everything. Thanks, Jenna. And uh, we're a little short on time with Deontay, so we'll wrap it up with Rich. A couple of you others still on the call. We'll make sure to get you with, with Vince. But we'll wrap it up with Deontay after Richie Walsh. Rich, go ahead. Hey, Deontay, I was just wondering, with such an odd offseason headed in this year, did, how much does it help you guys or favor this team that you have a lot of veterans, a lot of people that know what to do in this league? Uh, it's a big help. I mean, just being able to have those type of people on the team, I mean, like, it's just awesome. I mean, like, you don't got to worry about nothing because everybody knows what to do. I mean, all of the young guys got to, like myself, we all got to follow along and they push them. And try to learn from them. You know. it's like if we have anything, just pick their brains. And I'm still learning every day. I'm continuing to learn. So that's really pretty much what I've been doing, just trying to learn from everybody. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, appreciate everyone's time. And uh, we'll get Vince in here in the next couple minutes. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Some of them I can't like, really hear. That was Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson uh, earlier today with the assembled media. 
Uh, some good stuff there from Deontay. And as, as we talked about earlier in the show with, uh, with Mike Pursuta, uh, sounding like a much more confident young man. Yeah, I think that goes a long way. I mean, you, you, Mike had mentioned, you know, smaller school guy, not used to all that press, a lot of attention, a lot of playing time. I, I think he'll look back at his rookie year and say, boy, I, I learned a ton. Yeah, uh, the Steelers certainly hope so. They hope he takes that second-year leap, mm-hmm. but he did lead all rookie receivers in receptions last year. A very solid rookie year for him. Made All-Pro as a uh, as a second-team All-Pro return man. Led the league in punt return average. So a lot there to build up upon from his rookie season. And I'm sure he's super excited to play with seven. No doubt about it. Yeah, no <laughs> right, doubt yeah, about right. that. And he got that from from hearing him today. Uh, anyways, uh, we're going to take a break. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lolly. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers Training Camp Media Availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we got an opportunity today to speak to Vince Williams, the Steelers inside linebacker. Uh, and uh, it looks like going to be the starting inside linebacker. He did make eight starts last year. Mm-hmm. But he saw his, his snaps cut essentially in half from what they've been the previous two years. Yeah, it sets up to have a lot more on his plate, you know. And, yeah. and, and he's at this point of his state of his career, he's a team leader and a guy they trust, and uh, I think it'll work out fine. Yeah, I, I, I think he'll be okay. I don't worry about that part of it. Um, you know, if he's your worst player on your defense, right? You're okay. You're okay. You're fine, and you can mask him around, and you're not going to ask him to. Run with Evan Ingram and right. You could cover for him. one of those guys. Right. You couldn't cover with two when it was him and John Boston. Exactly. And yeah. again, if the communication's better and those type of things that he brings to the table, as well as maybe blitzing a little bit more than Bostic or Barron would have, uh, that's a benefit. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Uh, so, anyways, let's hear what uh, Vince Williams had to say. All right, everybody. Thanks for being patient. We got Vince here. Uh, we'll get started. Um, We'll start with Will Graves with the Associated Press. Will, go ahead. Hey, Vince. Uh, good to see you. Just sort of curious, as we get going here, I saw that the, the league set a deadline for opt-outs for tomorrow. I mean, what's your – you've been around a while. What's your level of comfort with, with what they put in place? And have you talked to your teammates at all about the possibility that some guys may decide not to play this year? Well, you got a safety first. Uh, everybody has their own prerogative. They have to take care of their family. You know, I think the NFL did a great job of providing us. I know I know the Steelers have personally provided us with a safe environment. But, uh, you know, that's a decision that every man's got to make for itself. You know, I, I cover baseball, too. And, I mean, the, they've had their problems as they've gotten going. Everybody agreed to what they were going to do. And then I've asked players, I asked Josh Bell, did you read this health protocol? And he said no. I'm just sort of curious. I mean, have you guys been – what's the education process like for you guys in figuring out what you can and can't do? Everybody's for the Steelers been educated. All right, we'll move on to Chris Adamski with the trip. Chris, go ahead. Hey, Vince. Um, what does it mean to you to get to eight years as a six-round pick in the NFL? And um, I know you're a student of the game and everything. Does that, you know, you're kind of climbing up the charts and, and you know, sneakily in terms of games played, seasons played amongst the Steelers? active players and amongst linebackers in history. Did you, you notice that? You take a pride in knowing you've been able to carve out this kind of career? No, not really. I always pretty much set high expectations for myself. So it just comes with the territory. We'll move on to Noah Streck being with Sports Illustrated. Noah, go ahead. <clears throat> hey, Vince, thanks for doing this. 
Um, when we talked to Devin Bush a couple months back, um, he jokingly said that if he has to play all of the snaps this season, he will. Um, I know that, you know, realistically, that's not going to happen, but are you comfortable being one of two, you know, primary starters on the inside this year? Absolutely. Thank we'll you. move on to Mark Caboli with The Athletic. Mark, go ahead. What's up, Vince? How you been? Um, your uh, run defense as a team last year was good at times, not so good at times. How do you better that and make that more consistent this year? And uh, what do you have to do to make it consistent this year? <clears throat> um, well, I think a microcosm of that was just how many snaps we had to play. So, you know, generating more turnovers will help us get off the field, not be a situation where teams are running the ball on us like that. Also think that having a, you know, Ben Roethlisberger back to put our offensive position to be on the field more, score more points, so we won't be, you know, trailing at the end of the game. So have teams running the ball on us, putting us in four-minute uh, four offense-type situations. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, Mark. We'll move on to Dale Lally with DK. Dale, go ahead. Hey, Vince. Um, one of the uh, things when we when we talked to Keith uh, about you the other day, he said that that one of the one of your strengths is communication on the field. Um, how do you feel that Devin is coming along in that respect, and how can you help him in that respect? Uh, just leading by example. You know, I tell Devin all the time that, you know, middle linebackers are vocal communicators. They're in the middle of the field, and the more you make calls, the more comfortable you get with it. The more people will get confidence in you making those calls. So, you know, he's just taking it in stride, watching me, seeing how I do things and learning. Thanks, Vince. <laughs> Thanks, Dale. We'll move on to Brooke Pryor with ESPN. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Vince. Thanks for doing this. Um, yesterday when we talked to Ben, he said a lot of guys like being on top and like being hunted, but sometimes it's fun to be the underdog and be overlooked. And he said that that was one of the reasons he was so excited to come back and play with this group. What do you feel like the feeling is on the team? And is that something that motivates you to be kind of overlooked, at least in the division? Uh, I don't think the Steelers are ever underdogs or underlooked. I think we have a certain expectation around here that everybody in the NFL holds us to. But uh, as far as just individual performance, probably, you know, being coming back from, you know, a year where he got hurt and having people questioning whether he can return at his age, which will definitely drive somebody to feel like they're an underdog. But, you know, Ben is Ben Roethlisberger. If he's on the field, if he's playing, he's healthy. He's a top quarterback in this league. So I don't think there's any undermining what he's going to bring to the game when healthy. Well, he's Thanks. <clears throat> Brooke, we'll move on to Ray Fittipaldo with the Post-Gazette. Ray, go ahead. Hey, Vince, how's it going? Uh, Mike always talks about uh, the biggest jump for a pro is from year one to year two. I was wondering if you can think back from 13 to 14, what it was like for you, and do you see in Devin that, you know, maybe things are slowing down for him um, as he gets ready for year two? Uh, absolutely. I mean, Devin's making tremendous strides just in a small detail like things. For example, he's he's got a nice little system that he's working with. He comes in the building at a consistent time every day. Those are things that you don't really see from a young guy. They don't really have a formula for success, but I'm starting to see that he's starting to develop that, and uh, I think he's going to get better with it. Thanks. We'll move on to Jeff Hathorne with 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Vince. Um, just wondering, what is the return of Stefan Tuitt 
mean to your defense and, and what more can you do when Stephon's in there? Uh, you know, two is a tremendous force on the D-line. Having his presence back is just going to be, um, it's going to be amazing, really. I mean, everybody knows what Tua brings to the game. I don't really have to hype him. You know, he's, he's an animal out there. He's a beast. He's, a, he's somebody that needs to be dealt with. Uh, he doesn't, I mean, it's not like we can't do, we're not, we're, it's not that we're going to do different things with him, but just his presence on the field is going to be a huge impact for us. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. We'll move on to Jenna Harner with WPXI. Jenna, go ahead. Hey, Vince. Thanks so much for taking some time here. Um, I'm just kind of curious what the message has been kind of from the vets to the rookies, even the second year guys, as you know, we're dealing with really unprecedented times here, especially for those rookies, such a new training camp, a new kind of everything for them. Uh, just something to, we're going to lead by example. So just, you know, watch how we work. You know, we're on, we're in, we've never dealt with this before either. So everybody's kind of in a little murky water. Thanks, Jenna. We'll move on to Mike Pizzuta with WDBE. Triv, go ahead. How's it going, Vince? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, I hear you. You seem to have a real feel for rushing the passer from a front four position last year. How much did you do that, and why do you think you were successful at it? Because we have great rushers. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the answer to the question. If you have great rushers, you're going to let them get after the quarterback. We have great rushers, so, you know, that's what they do. But I mean, you specifically, that, that's something that maybe you hadn't done before. Will that continue, do you suspect? Uh, yeah, you know, it's Blitzburg here. We're always trying to get after the quarterback, and everybody has to be able to do that, you know, even in secondary. So we, we, seek, we seek out guys that can get after the quarterback, and then, you know, Coach Butler puts us in position to be able to do that. And he expects us to capitalize. Thanks. All right, we'll move on to Joe Rudder with the trip. Joe, go ahead. Hi, Vince. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, you got some young, inexperienced guys uh, behind you at inside linebacker. Uh, what have you seen from Melissa's, you know, building off of year one, and what kind of challenges is that going to be for these young guys trying to make an impact when there's an abbreviated training camp? Well, you know, it just steepens the learning curve. But I'm confident they'll figure it out. A lot of these guys are really bright. They're really into football. I think that, you know, everything else being shut down outside of this is presented them a unique opportunity that all they have to do is to focus on football at this point. So I think that's going to help, you know, lessen the, the the steep curve that it would be. And Ulysses, have you seen much growth from him from your now? Yeah, Uli's looking great. I think he's I think he's made tremendous strides. All right, we got time for two more. We'll go to Brian Backo of the Post Gazette. Brian, go ahead. Hi Vince. Um, everybody, you know, pretty much knows what you can do as a blitzer, as a as a run stopper. Um, with Mark gone now, though, I mean, he's a guy they brought in for a reason last year. How, how much more coverage responsibility are you going to have in in 2020? And and how confident are you uh, when you're called upon to to do stuff like that? I don't know. That's a question they should have asked Coach Butler. But I'm pretty confident in anything I can do on the football field. If they ask me to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Do you feel like there's like a misconception that you're, you know, that's not one of your strengths or, or something that, you know, you can't do on a regular basis anymore? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really look at it. I don't pour into it. I don't look at the misconceptions because I just, 
it, it doesn't come up in situations where my coaches don't ask me to do things. Like it's never a situation where I'm not game plan to be put in situations where I have to cover because of something that would be a perceived limitation of mine. Like I don't go into the game room. I, mean, I don't go into the game plan room and Coach Butler's like, ah, oh, we're gonna, you know, blitz you because you can't cover. I've never had anybody say that to me. Right. So I think it's just like an outside thing that people talk about outside of our organization, but everybody inside the building, you know, they know what I can do. Thank you, Vince. Thanks, Brian. And we'll uh, end it today with Aditi Kinkabala of the NFL Network. Aditi, are you good? I am great. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just needed a minute with this one. But she's not screaming for you. She screamed at Ben yesterday. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that counts. Um, Vince, without the preseason games and for how physical as your team is and how you need to test these young running backs especially, do you think you need to hit more? Do you need to tackle more in practice? Is your expectation that Coach Tomlin will have an even tougher camp than usual because of that? Man, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. Nobody really knows. I mean, we've got to find a way to evaluate these guys without preseason games because a lot of the young guys, or just, just from a strictly an evaluation point, we don't know what they can do. Physicality may be a trait that a lot of guys lean on that they may not have that many opportunities to be able to display that. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm confident Coach Tom will find a way to, you know, get it done. Well, if he comes to you and he asks you as a veteran, would you say you'd want to hit more? Are you comfortable no. with that? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> would you want the younger guys to hit more? No, I don't, I don't think they need any more tackling. But, I mean, it's a catch-22 because, you know, but if he asks me, I'm going to tell him we need less padded days. Okay. Thank you. No problem. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll be in touch tomorrow with Coach. Thanks for your time. That was Steelers linebacker Vince Williams uh, earlier today with the assembled media. Uh, tomorrow we'll get a chance to talk to Mike Tomlin. Yeah, right. We'll play that back for you on tomorrow's show. Uh, yeah, but for my partner, Matt Williamson, uh, for Mike Pursuta, who joins us in the first hour, for Jacob here on site, keeping us on the air, I'm Dale Lally. We thank you for listening to this edition of the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio.